Welcome to the Gospel Assembly Bible Study Program. In these radio messages, we look into the practical, exciting truths of God's Word. The Lord reveals Himself through His Word, the Bible. There are blessings in store for anyone who seriously studies the Scriptures. The Church of Jesus Christ is commissioned to preach the Gospel and to teach all nations. This radio message is part of the teaching ministry of Gospel Assembly Church. In this Bible study program, we present exciting messages from God's Holy Word. Our prayer is that you find these radio sessions interesting and beneficial to your spiritual lives. Feel free to follow along in your Bible. Reverend Glenn Goodwin, the pastor of Gospel Assembly Church in Urbandale, Iowa, will be presenting this Bible lesson. At the conclusion of this message, we will give you an address where you can write for a free copy of today's Bible lesson or send in any questions you may have. Let's examine God's Holy Word. Let's look today at the Word of God pertaining to the Church, which is the body of Christ. Jesus did not die for the entire world. In truth, He died for the Church. Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He did not even pray for the world. In John 17 verse 9, Jesus said, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. There are multiple Christian churches in the earth, but are they all the true church? Paul referred to the church as the body of Christ in Ephesians the first chapter verses 22 and 23. And the Bible teaches that there's only one body of believers in Christ. That's Romans 12 and verse 5. Colossians 3:15 says ye are called in one body. There may be many members in the Lord's body worldwide, but there's only one fellowship that is the body of Christ on the earth. We see this in Paul's writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter. Verse 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. And in verse 27, Paul said, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Are there boundaries and limits to the body of Christ? In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, it talks about discerning the Lord's body. Can we discern it today? Is it possible to be involved in religious activity, in part of Christianity in general? and still be outside of Jesus' own true church? Christianity is very divided. Every sect, every denomination teaches their doctrine differently from others. Yet the Apostle Paul described a church that was doctrinally and physically unified. He said in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together 
in the same mind and in the same judgment. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25 he wrote that there is to be no schism in the body. And yet we don't see that in Christianity generally today. There are divisions. The Christian churches are not perfectly joined together. They're not in the same mind. They're not of the same judgment. Does that mean there's no true church? Or if there is a true church, where is it? And what are its limits? For Christ to dwell in our hearts, we must be able to do what the Scripture says in Ephesians 3 and verse 18. We must be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height of his body. Is Christ's body broad enough to reach all Christian churches? Does it extend in length to compass all those with opposed beliefs in God and doctrinal differences? Is it so high and so deep as to reach some mystical group of true believers in every Christian sect? Well, the answer to these questions is no. So how far do the boundaries of the body of Christ extend? Again, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. And he told that congregation that they're members of the body of Christ. And he was referring to the church because he said right after that that God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. That's 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. In one reference to the church, Paul wrote that we are all members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones in Ephesians 5.30. So what is the body of Christ in the earth today? What is the true church? First, it is a visible fellowship. It's one that is identifiable. It's a separate body. It is separate and distinct from every other fellowship, association, and organization in religion. The body of Christ is not mystical. It's not composed of a few members scattered in a multitude of different religious movements. When Saul of Tarsus was converted on the road to Damascus, he left one identifiable religious fellowship and became part of another fellowship in the ninth chapter of Acts. This Saul then traveled to Jerusalem after he had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He did not go back to his old denomination. He did not go back to work from within that organization to try to renew it. Instead, verse 26 of Acts 9 says, He essayed to join himself to the disciples. The disciples were a separate and distinct fellowship. They were the true body of Christ. It was not a mystical body composed of true believers in every denomination, or else Saul of Tarsus could have remained in the religious organization he was a part of, but he left it to join something else. The scripture says in Acts 2 and verse 42 that the church in Jerusalem continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and all that believed were together. See, fellowship precludes an invisible or mystical body. John 17 and verse 22, Jesus said, 
that his church was to be one. The members of the church in the Bible met together and fellowship together. There was only one true fellowship. Years after the Lord's Prayer in John 17, unbelievers identified the true church as still just a single and distinct group. Thirty years after the day of Pentecost, the Jews in Rome referred to the church as this sect in Acts 28 and verse 22. A sect is a readily identifiable group of persons who accept a system of religious belief. And the true body of Christ today is still a sect under that definition. It's a readily identifiable group of persons who accept a common religious belief. In the early church, Peter and John were arrested and threatened after they healed a lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple. When they were released, the scripture in Acts 4.23 records that they went to their own company. The church began as a separate, distinct, identifiable fellowship, their own company. In any city where Christ establishes his church, there will be true believers meeting together in their own company. The church was called this way in the book of Acts, or that way, for example, Acts 9-2, Acts 19-9, and 19-23. There are many religious ways, but there's only one true way, only one true pathway. Jeremiah 6:16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Please note that in the midst of the ways, there's only one good way. That way is not broad. It's not easy to find. The true body of Christ is a straight gate and a narrow way. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A straight gate is one that is narrow and restrictive. It's not straight as in S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, without bends or curves. It's straight as in S-T-R-A-I-T, like a straight jacket. It's confining. Those who walk on that way cannot live life the way they want. They cannot have their own way. Rather, they seek to please the Lord. First Thessalonians 4 and 1 says, Ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. Not everyone can find the narrow way that leads to life. The true church is not a mystical body of untold millions of true believers scattered here and there. Jesus said in Luke 12:32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Lord's body is a little flock. Huge numbers mean nothing to God. The scriptures in Isaiah 1-9 and Romans 11-5 refer to a remnant from every generation 
that served God. A remnant is not a massive crowd. By the end of the first century, when the church had been in existence nearly 100 years, the true church was still just one fellowship. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 1 and verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Those who were outside of that fellowship were not in the body of Christ. John said in chapter 2 and verse 19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. At the time John wrote this, there were competing churches in the earth, competing fellowships, but those competing works were not the heart and the core of the work of God on the earth. Even during Jesus' ministry, the disciples once found a man operating in Jesus' name. In Mark 9 and verse 38, they told the Lord, We forbade him, because he followeth not us. In verse 39, Jesus said to leave him alone. But that man working in the name of Jesus could never be what the twelve disciples became. That man was doing a good work, but he could never represent Jesus in the way that Peter or John or Thomas could. Why else would Paul write in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 4, warning about he that cometh, preaching another Jesus? Truly there is not another Jesus, but someone was preaching a gospel in the early church that was different from the gospel that Paul preached. There were ministers going through the land preaching different messages than that which the true church was preaching. You read about it in Galatians, the first chapter, verses 6 through 8. But Peter did not preach a different gospel from Paul. In fact, Peter wrote about his dearly beloved brother Paul. And he called the writings of Paul scripture. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 15, Our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, to their own destruction. You see, Peter said that Paul's epistles were scripture. These two men believed alike. But there were other men. John wrote about Diotrephes in 3 John verse 9. And Paul wrote about Hymenaeus and Philetus in 2 Timothy 2 verse 17 and 18. But these ministers were preaching a gospel, but it was a perverted gospel. It was not the same Jesus that John preached, that Peter wrote about, that Paul taught about. And even today, there are many churches who proclaim Christ and do good works, but that does not mean they're part of the body of Christ. Jesus foretold their existence in Matthew 7 and verses 21 through 23. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, 
which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said that many would call him Lord, would speak in his name, would do wonderful works, build hospitals and orphanages, but that is not enough. Jesus said, I never knew you. He doesn't know them. They're not his body. And this brings us to another aspect of the true church. It's not just a separate and identifiable body, but it's also one that Jesus recognizes as his own. The true church is a corporate body. I'm not saying incorporated. The body of Christ may not accept articles of incorporation from the state, but it is corporate in that it has legal status before the Lord. That is, Jesus recognizes that church as his own. Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia in Galatians 4 and verse 9. He said, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. It's one thing to claim to know God, but it's something else altogether to be known of God. But Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, The Lord knoweth them that are his. It's important when investigating a church to know whether Jesus recognizes that church as part of his body. Because Colossians 1 and verse 18 tells us that Christ is the head of the body, the church. The head of the church is Christ. That's Ephesians 4 and verse 15. And verse 4 of that chapter says there is only one body. The head does not control a mystical body. A human head does not control a hand in one person, an eye in another, and an ear in a third person. But the body of Jesus Christ is compacted and joined together. Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 16 that Christ is the head from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What he said here is that every member of the body was connected together, just like every part of a natural human body is physically connected together. The body of Christ is a united fellowship, not some divided and scattered, disjoined and fractured, mysterious body. The question is asked in 1 Corinthians 1.13, Is Christ divided? And the answer is no. The phrase, go to the church of your choice, is not a biblical admonition. Not every church is part of that one body. There were thousands in the church in Jerusalem in Acts 21 and verse 20, yet they all came together in one place. Verse 22 says, What is it, therefore, the multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Since these church members met together, they could identify each other as members. There was nothing mystical about it. We're not to attend the church of our own choice, 
We're to attend the church of God's choice. We must find our place in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12:18 says that God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Every member should be a functioning member of his body. One of the shortcomings of modern Christianity is the failure to take the church seriously and to see how essential it is in God's plan of salvation. Commitment and dedication and loyalty to the church are seriously lacking in modern society. Nearly twice as many people believe in Jesus as those who regularly attend church. Many claim to be believers. Very few are belongers. Contemporary Christianity, modern ecumenicism, and these parachurch ministries all encourage some type of Jesus and me spirituality rather than fostering the church as a community of believers under a God-ordained ministry. And yes, we all need a close relationship with our Lord. But remember that Jesus died for the church, Ephesians 5.25. He prayed for the church. In Matthew 16 and verse 18, he said he came to build the church. And Ephesians 1.22 says the church is his body. Ephesians 5.23 says he is the head of the church. Our faith is to be in God. Our faith is not in the church. Yet we must believe in the church, love the church, support the church, and participate in the church. The church is central to what God is doing in the world today. Through the church, God is forming a reconciled people who are his witnesses to the world. He commissioned his church to go and be witnesses of him to the uttermost parts of the earth. The church is to be a community or common unity of believers. They're marked not so much by their love for God, which is necessary, but they're marked by their love for one another. Jesus said in John 13:35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. This work is not all done in the spirit, separated from the rest of the believers. A disciple decides not only to follow the Lord, but he also joins with the community. Those that Peter referred to in 2 Peter 1.1 as having like precious faith. Some people say, I don't want to be a part of a church because I've been hurt by the church. My response is, no, you've not been hurt by the church. The true church of Jesus Christ has never hurt anyone. You may have been hurt by humans who've misrepresented the church to you, but you've not been hurt by the church, not the church as an institution of God. However, remember that a church is made up of sinners saved by grace. Sometimes the church is all too human, but if you're looking for a church composed of perfect people who never make mistakes, you won't find it, and you'd be out of place there anyway. But the church is composed of humans, and because of that, there will be problems. But you should never judge a church by the problems it has. Rather, you should judge it by how it handles those problems. The true church may be made up of humans, but it's more than just a human institution. It is the body of Christ. 
and the scripture condemns those who feel they can make it just fine without a church. Hebrews 10.25 says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And we're to be like Christ. We should love what he loved. We should live for that for which he died. We cannot separate from one another when the purpose of Christ is to unify us. There's no scriptural basis for a belief that you can be all by yourself, just you and Jesus, and that's all you need to be saved. In Acts 21:22, the statement was made that the church must needs come together. The church is to gather together. Paul said it to the Corinthians, when you are gathered together in one place. And then he told the Galatians that we are to bear one another's burdens. That is part of the Christian walk. As I said earlier, when Paul was first saved, he immediately essayed to join himself to the disciples in Acts 9.26. He joined the church and he never left it. We suffer together. We rejoice together. Together we are his church. We need the church. We should not refuse the benefits that God has given to us through his church. It is said that the church is a common community with an uncommon cause. The church functions because of what God has done for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. By the acts of his grace, God has forgiven our sins, and he's also welcomed us into his family. Therefore, we should now work together with the other members of his family. We need to identify who they are and get in and be a part of them. Our lives should be notable for forgiveness, for reconciliation, and for the openness with which we welcome others into God's family. See, the church, the true body of Jesus Christ, is not perfect, but it is holy. To be holy means to be set apart for God's service and God's praise. And despite all of its problems, and the church in Corinth had many problems, there was some immorality in the church, there was some drunkenness in the church, they had need of a lot of corrections, but despite the fact that this church had problems, Paul still called that church the temple of God in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 16 and 17. The church I'm talking about the people, not the building. The church is holy. God walks in the midst of his people. Deuteronomy 23:14, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp. Therefore shall thy camp be holy. We need the true church. We hope you have enjoyed this interesting and practical lesson from the Word of God. Christians today need to understand what God is telling us in His Word. The Bible is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. 2 Timothy 3.15 says that the Holy Scriptures will make a person wise unto salvation. 
If you have any questions or comments about today's broadcast, feel free to write Reverend Glenn Goodwin, Pastor of Gospel Assembly Church, 7135 Meredith Drive, Des Moines, Iowa, 50322. We would like to offer you free of charge and without any obligation a cassette tape of this Bible study message. Just write us at Gospel Assembly Church, 7135 Meredith Drive, Des Moines, Iowa, 50322. Be sure to identify this week's broadcast by date. This radio ministry is an operation of faith. We make no extended pleas for finances over the air. However, if you have appreciated today's broadcast and wish to make a tax-deductible contribution to help defray the costs of producing this program, we believe that the Lord will bless you for doing so. Again, the address is Gospel Assembly Church, 7135 Meredith Drive, that's M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, Meredith Drive, Des Moines, Iowa, 50322. May God bless you.